Section 43 of Sermons on Several Occasions, First Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Sermons on Several Occasions, First Series by John Wesley. Satan's Devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. Second Corinthians 2.11 the devices whereby the subtle god of this world labors to destroy the children of god or at least to torment whom he cannot destroy to perplex and hinder them in running the race which is set before them are numberless as the stars of heaven or the sand upon the seashore but it is of one of them only that i now propose to speak although exerted in various ways whereby he endeavors to divide the gospel against itself and by one part of it to overthrow the other the inward kingdom of heaven which is set up in the heart of all that repent and believe the gospel is no other than righteousness and peace and joy in the holy ghost every babe in christ knows we are made partakers of these the very hour that we believe in jesus these are only the first fruits of his spirit the harvest is not yet although these blessings are inconceivably great yet we trust to see greater than these we trust to love the lord our god not only as we do now with a weak though sincere affection but with all our heart all our mind with all our soul and with all our strength we look for power to rejoice evermore to pray without ceasing and in everything to give thanks knowing this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning us we expect to be made perfect in love in that love which casts out all painful fear and all desire but that of glorifying him we love and of loving and serving him more and more we look for such an increase in the experimental knowledge and love of god our saviour as well enable us always to walk in the light as he is in the light we believe the whole mind will be in us which was also in christ jesus that we shall love every man so as to be ready to lay down our life for his sake so as by this love to be freed from anger and pride and from every unkind affection we expect to be cleansed from all our idols from all filthiness whether of flesh or spirit to be saved from all our uncleannesses inward or outward to be purified as he is pure we trust in his promise who cannot lie that the time will surely come when in every word and work we shall do his blessed will on earth as it is done in heaven when all our conversation shall be seasoned with salt all meet to minister grace to the hearers when whether we eat or drink or whatever we do it shall be done to the glory of god when all our words and deeds shall be in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks unto god even the father through him now this is the grand device of satan to destroy the first work of god in the soul or at least to hinder its increase by our expectation of that greater work it is therefore my present design first to point out the several ways whereby he endeavors this and secondly to observe how we may retort those fiery darts of the wicked one how we may rise the higher by what he intends for an occasion of our falling i am first to point out the several ways whereby satan endeavors to destroy the first work of god in the soul or at least to hinder its increase by our expectation of that greater work and he endeavors to damp our joy in the lord by the consideration of our own vileness sinfulness unworthiness added to this there must be a far greater change than as yet or we cannot see the lord if we knew we must remain as we are even to the day of our death we might possibly draw a kind of comfort poor as it was from that necessity but as we know we need not remain in this state as we are assured there is a greater change to come and that unless sin be all done away in this life we cannot see god in glory 
that subtle adversary often damps the joy we should otherwise feel in what we have already attained by a perverse representation of what we have not attained and the absolute necessity of attaining it so that we cannot rejoice in what we have because there is more which we have not we cannot rightly taste the goodness of god who hath done so great things for us because there are so much greater things which as yet he hath not done likewise the deeper conviction that god works in us of our present unholiness and the more vehement desire we feel in our heart of the entire holiness he hath promised the more are we tempted to think lightly of the present gifts of god and to undervalue what we have already received because of what we have not received if he can prevail thus far if he can damp our joy he will soon attack our peace also he will suggest are you fit to see god he is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity how then can you flatter yourself so to imagine that he beholds you with approbation god is holy you are unholy what communion hath light with darkness how is it possible that you unclean as you are should be in a state of acceptance with god you see indeed the mark the prize of your high calling but do you not see it is afar off how can you presume then to think that all your sins are already blotted out how can this be until you are brought nearer to god until you bear more resemblance to him thus will he endeavor not only to shake your peace but even to overturn the very foundation of it to bring you back by insensible degrees to the point from whence you set out first even to seek for justification by works or by your own righteousness to make something in you the ground of your acceptance or at least necessarily previous to it or if we hold fast other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid even jesus christ and i am justified freely by god's grace through the redemption which is in jesus yet he will not cease to urge but the tree is known by its fruits and have you the fruits of justification is that mind in you which was in christ jesus are you dead unto sin and alive unto righteousness are you made comfortable to the death of christ and do you know the power of his resurrection and then comparing the small fruits we feel in our souls with the fullness of the promises we shall be ready to conclude surely god hath not said that my sins are forgiven me surely i have not received the remission of my sins for what lot have i among them that are sanctified more especially in that time of sickness and pain he will press this with all his might is it not the word of him that cannot lie without holiness no man shall see the lord but you are not holy you know it well you know holiness is the full image of god and how far is this above out of your sight you cannot attain unto it therefore all your labor has been in vain all these things you have suffered in vain you have spent your strength for naught you are yet in your sins you must therefore perish at the last and thus if your eye be not steadily fixed on him who hath borne all your sins he will bring you again under that fear of death whereby you so long subject unto bondage and by this means impair if not wholly destroy your peace as well as joy in the lord but his masterpiece of subtlety is still behind not content to strike at your peace and joy he will carry his attempts farther yet he will level his assault against your righteousness also he will endeavor to shake ye yea if it be possible to destroy the holiness you have already received by your very expectation of receiving more of attaining all the image of god the manner wherein he attempts this may partly appear from what has been already observed for first by striking at our joy in the lord he strikes likewise at our holiness seeing joy in the holy ghost is a precious means of promoting every holy temper a choice instrument of god whereby he carries on much of his work in a believing soul and is a considerable help not only to inward but also to outward holiness 
It strengthens our hands to go on in the work of faith, in the labor of love, manfully to fight the good fight of faith, and to lay hold on eternal life. It is peculiarly designed of God to be a balance both against inward and outward sufferings, to lift up the hands that hang down, and confirm the feeble knees. Consequently, whatever damps our joy in the Lord, proportionally obstructs our holiness, and therefore, so far as Satan shakes our joy, he hinders our holiness also. The same effect will ensue, if he can, by any means, either destroy or shake our peace. For the peace of God is another precious means of advancing the image of God in us. There is scarce a greater help to holiness than this, a continual tranquillity of spirit, evenness of a mind stayed upon God, a calm repose in the blood of Jesus. And without this, it is scarce possible to grow in grace, and in the vital knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For all fear, unless the tender, filial fear, freezes and benumbs the soul, it binds up all the springs of spiritual life, and stops all motion of the heart toward God, and doubt, as it were, bemires the soul, so that it sticks fast in the deep clay. Therefore, in the same proportion as either of these prevail, our growth in holiness is hindered. At the same time, there are wise adversary endeavors to make our conviction of the necessity of perfect love an occasion of shaking our peace by doubts and fears. He endeavors to weaken, if not destroy, our faith. Indeed, these are inseparably connected, so that they must stand or fall together. So long as faith subsists, we remain in peace. Our heart stands fast, while it believes in the Lord. But if we let go our faith, our filial confidence in a loving, pardoning God, our peace is at an end the very foundation on which it stood being overthrown. And this is the only foundation of holiness, as well as of peace. Consequently, whatever strikes at this, strikes at the very root of all holiness. For without this faith, without an abiding sense that Christ loved me, and gave himself for me, without a continuing conviction that God for Christ's sake is merciful to me a sinner, it is impossible that I should love God. We love him because he first loved us, and in proportion to the strength and clearness of our conviction, he hath loved us, and accepted us in his Son. And unless we love God, it is not possible that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, nor, consequently, that we should have any right affections, either toward God or toward man. It evidently follows that whatever weakens our faith must in the same degree obstruct our holiness. And this is not only the most effectual, but also the most compendious way of destroying all holiness, seeing it does not affect any one Christian temper, any single grace or fruit of the Spirit, but as far as it succeeds, tears up the very root of the whole work of God. No marvel, therefore, that the ruler of the darkness of this world should here put forth all his strength. And so we find by experience, for it is far easier to conceive than it is to express, the unspeakable violence wherewith this temptation is frequently urged on them who hunger and thirst after righteousness. When they see, in a strong and clear light, on the one hand, the desperate wickedness of their own hearts, on the other hand, the unspotted holiness to which they are called in Christ Jesus, on the one hand, the depth of their own corruption, of their total alienation from God. On the other, the height of the glory of God, that image of the Holy One, when they are to be renewed. There is, many times, no spirit left in them. They could almost cry out, With God, this is impossible. They are ready to give up both faith and hope, to cast away that very confidence, whereby they are to overcome all things, and do all things, through Christ strengthening them, whereby after they have done the will of God, they are to receive the promise. And if they hold fast the beginning of their confidence steadfast unto the end, they shall undoubtedly receive the promise of God, reaching through both time and eternity. But here is another snare laid for our feet, while we earnestly pant for that part of the promise which is to be accomplished here, for the glorious liberty of the children of God. We may be led unawares from the consideration of the glory which shall hereafter be revealed. Our eye may be insensibly turned aside from that crown, 
which the righteous judge hath promised to give at that day, to all that love his appearing. And we may be drawn away from the view of that incorruptible inheritance, which is reserved in heaven for us. But this also would be a loss to our souls, and an obstruction to our holiness, for to walk in the continual sight of our goal is a needful help in our running the race that is set before us. This it was, the having respect unto the recompense of reward, which of old time encouraged Moses, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Nay, it is expressly said of a greater than he, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, and despised the shame, till he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, whence we may easily infer, how much more needful for us than the view of that joy set before us, that we may endure whatever cross the wisdom of God lays upon us, and press on through holiness to glory. But while we are reaching to this, as well as to the glorious liberty which is preparatory to it, we may be in danger of falling into another snare of the devil, whereby he labors to entangle the children of God. We may take too much thought for tomorrow, so as to neglect the improvement of today. We may so expect perfect love, as not to use that which is already shed abroad in our hearts. There have not been wanting instances of those who have greatly suffered hereby. They were so taken up with what they were to receive hereafter, as utterly to neglect what they had already received. In expectation of having five talents more, they buried their one talent in the earth. At least, they did not improve it as they might have done, to the glory of God and the good of their own souls. Thus does the subtle adversary of God and man endeavor to make void the counsel of God, by dividing the gospel against itself, and making one part of it overthrow the other while the first work of God in the soul is destroyed by the expectation of his perfect work. We have seen several of the ways wherein he attempts this by cutting off, as it were, the springs of holiness. But this he likewise does more directly by making that blessed hope an occasion of unholy tempers. Thus, whenever our heart is eagerly athirst for all the great and precious promises, when we pant after the fullness of God, as the heart after the water brook, when our soul breaketh out in fervent desire, why are his chariot wheels so long in coming? He will not neglect the opportunity of tempting us to murmur against God. He will use all his wisdom and all his strength, if haply, in an unguarded hour, he may be influenced to repine at our Lord for thus delaying his coming. At least he will labor to excite some degree of fretfulness or impatience, and perhaps of envy at those whom we believe to have already attained the prize of our high calling. He well knows that by giving way to any of these tempers, we are pulling down the very thing we would build up. By thus following after perfect holiness, we become more unholy than before. Yea, there is great danger that our last state should be worse than the first, like them of whom the apostle speaks in those dreadful words. It had been better they had never known the way of righteousness, than after they had known it, to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. And from hence he hopes to reap another advantage, even to bring up an evil report of the good way. He is sensible how few are able to distinguish, and too many are not willing so to do between the accidental abuse and the natural tendency of a doctrine. These, therefore, will he continually blend together with regard to the doctrine of Christian perfection, in order to rejoice the minds of unwary men against the glorious promises of God. And how frequently, how generally, I had almost said how universally, as he prevailed herein, who is there that observes any of these accidental ill effects of this doctrine, and does not immediately conclude, this is its natural tendency, and does not readily cry out, See, these are the fruits meaning the natural necessary fruits of such doctrine. Not so. They are fruits which may accidentally spring from the abuse of a great and precious truth. But the abuse of this, or of any other scriptural doctrine, does by no means destroy its use. Neither can the unfaithfulness of man perverting his right way make the promise of God of none effect. No, 
Let God be true, and every man a liar. The word of the Lord it shall stand. Faithful is he that hath promised, he also will do it. Let not us then be removed from the hope of the gospel. Rather, let us observe, which was the second thing proposed, how we may retort those fiery darts of the wicked one, how we may rise the higher by what he intends for an occasion of our falling. And, first, to say and endeavor to damp your joy in the Lord by the consideration of your sinfulness, added to this that without entire universal holiness no man can see the Lord, you may cast back this dart upon his own head, while through the grace of God, the more you feel of your own vileness, the more you rejoice in confident hope that all this shall be done away. While you hold fast this hope, every evil temper you feel, though you hate it with a perfect hatred, may be a means, not of lessening your humble joy, but rather of increasing it. This and this, may you say, shall likewise perish from the presence of the Lord. Like as the wax melteth at the fire, so shall this melt away before his face. By this means, the greater that change is which remains to be wrought in your soul, the more may you triumph in the Lord, and rejoice in the God of your salvation, who hath done so great things for you, and will do so much greater things than these. Secondly, the more vehemently he assaults your peace with that suggestion, God is holy, you are unholy, you are immensely distant from that holiness, without which you cannot see God. How then can you be in the favor of God? How can you fancy you are justified? Takes the more earnest heed to hold fast that, not by works of righteousness which I have done, I am found in him, I am accepted in the beloved, not having my own righteousness, as the cause, either in whole or in part, of our justification before God, but that which is by faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. O oh, bind this about your neck, write it upon the table of thy heart, wear it as a bracelet upon thy arm, as frontlets between thine eyes. I am justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Value and esteem more and more that precious truth. By grace we are saved through faith. Admire more and more the free grace of God, in so loving the world as to give his only Son, that whosoever believeth on him might not perish, but have everlasting life. So shall the sense of the sinfulness you feel, on the one hand, and of the holiness you expect, on the other, both contribute to establish your peace, and to make it flow as a river. So shall that peace flow on with an even stream, in spite of all those mountains of ungodliness, which shall become a plain in the day when the Lord cometh to take full possession of your heart. Neither will sickness or pain, or the approach of death, occasion of any doubt or fear. You know a day, an hour, a moment with God, is as a thousand years. He cannot be straightened for time, wherein to work whatever remains to be done in your soul. And God's time is always the best time. Therefore be thou careful for nothing. Only make thy request known unto him, in that, not without doubt or fear, but thanksgiving, as being previously assured, he cannot withhold from thee any manner of thing that is good. Thirdly, the more you are tempted to give up your shield, to cast away your faith, your confidence in his love, so much the more take heed that you hold fast that whereunto you have attained, so much the more labor to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Never let that slip. I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Be this thy glory and crown of rejoicing, and see that no one take thy crown. Hold that fast. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and I now have redemption in his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Thus, being filled with all peace and joy in believing, press on, in the peace and joy of faith, to the renewal of thy whole soul, in the image of him that created thee. Meanwhile, cry continually to God, that thou mayest see the prize of thy high calling, not as Satan represents it, in a horrid dreadful shape, but in its genuine native beauty, not as something that must be, or thou wilt go to hell, but as what may be, to lead thee to heaven, 
look upon it as the most desirable gift which is in all the stores of the rich mercies of god beholding it in this true point of light thou wilt hunger after it more and more thy whole soul will be a thirst for god and for this glorious conformity to his likeness and having received the good hope of this and strong consolation through grace thou wilt no more be weary or faint in thy mind but wilt follow on till thou attainest in the same power of faith press on to glory indeed this is the same prospect still god hath joined from the beginning pardon holiness heaven and why should man put them asunder oh beware of this let not one link of the golden chain be broken god for christ's sake shall hath forgiven me he is now renewing me in his own image shortly he will make me meet for himself and take me to stand before his face i whom he hath justified through the blood of his son being thoroughly sanctified by his spirit shall quickly ascend to the new jerusalem the city of the living god yet a little while and i shall come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn and to god the judge of all and to jesus the mediator of the new covenant how soon will these shadows flee away and the day of eternity dawn upon me how soon shall i drink of the river of the water of life going out of the throne of god and of the lamb there all his servants shall praise him and shall see his face and his name shall be upon their foreheads and no night shall be there and they will have no need of candle or the light of the sun for the lord god enlighteneth them and they shall reign for ever and ever and if you thus taste of the good word and of the powers of the world to come you will not murmur against god because you are not yet meet for the inheritance of the saints in light instead of repining at your not being wholly delivered you will praise god for thus far delivering you you will magnify god for what he hath done and take it as an earnest of what he will do you will not fret against him because you are not yet renewed but bless him because you shall be and because now is your salvation all sin nearer than when you first believed instead of uselessly tormenting yourself because the time has not fully come you will calmly and quietly wait for it knowing that it will come and will not tarry you may therefore more cheerfully endure it as yet the burden of sin that still remains in you because it will not always remain yet a little while and it shall be clean gone only tarry thou the lord's leisure be strong and he shall comfort thy heart and put thou thy trust in the lord and if you see any who appear so far as man can judge but god alone searches the hearts to be already partakers of their hope already made perfect in love far from envying the grace of god in them let it rejoice and comfort your heart glorify god for their sake if one member is honored shall not all the members rejoice with it instead of jealousy or evil surmising concerning them praise god for the consolation rejoice in having a fresh proof of the faithfulness of god in fulfilling all his promises and stir yourself up the more to apprehend that for which you also are apprehended of christ jesus in order to this redeem the time improve the present moment buy up every opportunity of growing in grace or of doing good let not the thought of receiving more grace to-morrow make you negligent of to-day you have one talent now if you expect five more so much the rather improve that you have and the more you expect to receive hereafter the more labor for god now sufficient for the day is the grace thereof god is now pouring his benefits upon you now approve yourself a faithful steward of the present grace of god whatever may be to-morrow give all diligence to to-day to add to your faith courage temperance patience brotherly kindness and the fear of god till you attain that pure and perfect love let these things be now in you and abound be not now slothful or unfruitful so shall an entrance be ministered into the everlasting kingdom of our lord jesus christ lastly if in time past you have abused this blessed hope of being holy as he is holy you do not therefore cast it away let the abuse cease the use remain use it now to the more abundant glory of god and profit of your own soul and steadfast faith in calm tranquillity of spirit and full assurance of hope rejoicing evermore for what god hath done 
press ye on unto perfection, daily growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and going on from strength to strength, in resignation, in patience, in humble thankfulness for what ye have attained, and for what ye shall, run the race set before you, looking unto Jesus, till, through perfect love, ye enter into his glory. End of section 43 Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida